Hello and welcome to episode 23, 23 of the Beyond the Self podcast. I am Africa and it feels very good, very good to be recording, sitting down with you because the last episode, last minute actually, I decided to share an, a conversation that I had on my Instagram live in 2020, in October 2020. And the episode was titled, What to Do When Change Feels Fucking Scary. And I came across that episode again because a few people had rediscovered it. Some new followers had rediscovered the episode and they had shared some comments about how it resonated with them so much. So I watched it back. I watched it back and I was just like, you know what? This is what the podcast episode has to be this week. And it was really interesting actually to be able to see how my way of thinking has changed, even in very subtle ways that you might not be able to pick up necessarily. And I think that's really important actually for me to still put out some of the footage that I have where I feel a bit differently, think a bit differently, but also where I still stand very firm in some of my teachings and some of the things that I put forward. So it's a very very, very good episode that I would highly recommend to you if you haven't gone to it already. And the one we're talking about today, the thing that we are talking about today is one of my absolute favorite things. I love exploring binary thinking, which is also known as black and white thinking or dichotomous thinking or polarized thinking. And today I'm mainly going to be using the term binary thinking, but I might, you know, interchangeably use it with black and white thinking as well. And I really, really enjoy talking about this. And if you follow my work on Instagram and you just have been part of my kind of ideas sharing process, you will know that this is something I talk about all the fucking time because I'm all about being pro-nuance. And in saying that, the platforms that I talk about it on, whether that is Instagram um, or anywhere else, the thing is, it doesn't actually allow me to go into as much details as I want to get into. So that's why I thought this episode would be really fucking good. And it, it helps tie everything else together, just like with most of my episodes, because again, I will tell you this, they do build on each other. And there are some things that I will be coming back to. For example, the entitlement piece, I really want to revisit that. And a lot of you have actually sent me some really, really interesting shares about your own experiences with entitlement. And that's something that I'm going to be weaving into our future conversations because there is so much that we can do with that conversation. So, so, so much. So yes, I'm excited about that. But today we are talking about how to exist in a complex world with a binary brain. And I want to give you a little spoiler alert before we go ahead. The spoiler is that we all have a binary brain. So it's not a case of other people have it and I don't. No, we all do. But it looks very, very different for everyone. Very, very, very different. And I want to get into those things with you today. And before we go ahead, actually, if you are not already following this podcast or subscribe to it, especially if you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, just take a few seconds to do it, please. Please, please, please. While I pour my tea, it would just take you a few seconds. And it really does make a big difference in helping this podcast. Oh, listen to that beautiful pour. 
it helps <laughs> it helps this podcast reach more people and social proof is actually very important because when people see certain numbers it just acts as confirmation that it's actually worth listening to so it only takes you a few seconds but it means a whole fucking lot to me and if you really want to be wild if you really want to be wild leave a little review. Okay. How does this podcast make you feel? How are you experiencing this work? Has it been useful? Or are you one of the people um, that thinks I swear too much? So therefore you can't take this information in. Share that as well. Let me know. Let me know. So binary thinking, binary thinking. Let's just get into it. And I don't have too much to share in terms of life updates. My week has just been quite go 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 I had some events that I did very exciting stuff I'm also in the process of finalizing the people that I want to have my conversations with on my new platform on YouTube where I'm going to be having so so many long-form in-depth conversations with some people that I really admire and some people that are not really known on a wide scale who I think should be as well. So I'm just finalizing all of that right now. So the past week has been a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Um, and I've also just been resting, making sure that I'm not overwhelming myself because I'm someone that really values rest. I value spaciousness and I value rest. And even when there's a lot happening, it needs to make sense with my capacity and what I can actually handle. So I've been making sure that everything that I am doing is in alignment with what I do value. And I had my family over this weekend, which was so, so nice. So nice. I mean, it was noisy, but it was nice. And I say it was noisy because I live alone and I love the quiet. I love silence. I love nothingness. And there were a lot of children running around, a lot of laughing, a lot of dancing. And we're, we're African, so we're kind of loud by nature. Or is that me generalizing? <laughs> but it's a cultural thing. It's a cultural thing. We're just very loud, typically active people. So there's a lot of dancing. There's a lot of music. There's a lot of movement, you know, um, which was beautiful. I enjoyed it so much, but it was also very nice to just have today to kind of just huh, to kind of bring myself back to what I'm used to in my day to day. I was actually saying to um, my lover earlier that it, anytime that I spend time with my family or just children, it really starts to get real that I want to have six of them. So I need to start training myself for that. Um, so yesterday was good training. Let's just put it that way. So that's my life update. Let me have a little sip of this burdock root tea before we begin. And in the background, you might be able to hear some rain, um, a bit of movement. There's a lot of wind outside right now. It's been a very, very wild and windy weekend here in London. So you might be able to hear that in the background, but that's fine. That's okay. Um, we can deal with it. We can deal with it. So... I also want to let you know that I I think this is going to be, this episode is going to be in my top three. I've already decided, <laughs> I've already decided that it's one of my favorites simply because when I was doing the planning for this and I did a lot of deep planning for it and there's a lot of things that I I, I won't even be putting forward in this particular episode because it is a continuous conversation. 
but I could just feel a deep excitement at the thought of sharing this information with you. And a lot of things also just running through me. And because I learn every time that I share my work, anytime that I teach, anytime that I support someone or support a group of people, I learn so much in the process. You know, you might have heard the saying that one of the best ways to learn something is to teach it, you know. Um, so when I finalized everything that I was going to share with you, I just felt so good and felt so excited about it. And it's such tangible information. And I love giving you something that's maybe abstract, but also feels very tangible and practical and you know how to fucking integrate it into your life, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm very excited about this. I think it's going to be in my top three. Yes, I'm that confident enough to say it before I've even fucking started. Um, so with that being said, let's just dive in. Today, people, we are talking about how to exist in a complex world with a binary brain. And I've already spoiled it for you by letting you know that we all have a binary brain. We all have a binary brain, okay? But today we're going to be talking about moving out of binary thinking being the default and stepping into what the futurist Bob Johansson calls full spectrum thinking. How how beautiful is that term? Full spectrum thinking. It already sounds expansive, just as I say it. So that's kind of the term that we're going to be working with, the overarching term. And I wanted to give a disclaimer as well, because I do think this is really important. I am well aware that we're all neurologically diverse. Okay. So if you are neurodivergent, especially, you'll probably need to speak to a psychotherapist or a mental health professional if this is really something that you're struggling with so that they can actually assist you on a personal level, or you can seek out information that is specific to you. As I was doing the research, actually, I came across um, some really good medical articles, but also more anecdotal articles with really, really robust and tangible practical advice for children, for adolescents and for adults as well. So I really do think it's important to just kind of focus on what you can control, which is what the entire podcast is all about, and then just seek out information that is more specific to you. So why am I saying this? I'm saying this because the information that I put forward in this episode, but in all my other episodes and in any of the work that you encounter of mine, right? It is not personalized to any individual. It's a one to many conversation. So therefore it can't be unique and specific to you. So take what it is you need, take what resonates, take what you can apply into your life and leave the fucking rest, okay? If you find yourself thinking, well, Africa, this doesn't speak to me. Well, I went through, okay, okay. That is all well and good, but you are an autonomous adult. You get to say, actually, this doesn't work for me. So let me find something else that does, right? Let's not practice binary thinking as we are listening to this. <laughs> Okay, so my darlings, if you do realize that actually your brain just works a little bit differently to most people, just seek out information that can actually give you the tools that you need. Because here I am going to be speaking in a broad way, but I always try to make things as specific as specific as possible. But remember that this is a one to many approach. It's not a one to one situation. Okay, 
And I want to give a very clear definition of what binary means. Because binary thinking is a term that I'm going to be using. And at this point in time, most of us are familiar with terms like non-binary, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's really important that we have a clear definition of it. And actually something that inspired me to have this conversation was because maybe a year or nearly two years ago now, I shared a post kind of questioning why, even though we're starting to have all of these beautiful conversations about breaking out of binaries, questioning certain systems, really accepting that people, especially in terms of gender and sexuality, don't really fall into some kind of neat box, right? Into a box that already has the values, a box that already has, you know, these ideas of how they should exist in the world, how they should perform, what they should like, how they should speak, what they should wear. We're in a time of really questioning those things. However, it seems as though we're sort of breaking down on the binaries and setting up new ones. And we're going to go into, into detail about what that is starting to look like, right, in, in our culture. But I'm going to be talking about it in a way where you can observe it more so within yourself. Because I think a lot of these things have to start with the individual and then that feeds into the collective, right? So I was just wondering why we're in this time, which I fully appreciate and, and understand as well, yet we're not encouraging moving out of binary thinking being the default. And once I was able to say that in my mind, I just couldn't let go of this question. I couldn't fucking let go of this question. So I put it out into the public sphere so I could hear what other people think. And it opened up a really beautiful and important conversation, which is what has led to me really just delving into all of this, going even deeper with all of this, um, and then eventually feeling like I need to actually record a separate episode to talk about it. So the definition of binary is relating to, composed of, or involving two things. So some examples of binaries are right or wrong, pro or anti, us versus them, left or right, with us or against us, fight or flight, woke or anti-woke, which is a fairly new one to, to sort of put language to, but I think it's important because it's really something that we're starting to see. Success or failure, angel or a devil, pass or fail. And I thought the pass or fail one was quite interesting actually, because you can see why it can be a very useful binary, right? So for example, if you're doing a driving test, by the end of the test, you actually need to know whether you have passed or failed. It would not be useful if your instructor was like, well, you haven't really passed, but you haven't really failed. So it, it just wouldn't make any fucking sense, right? In that specific scenario, which is why a lot of things are context dependent. In that specific scenario, you do need it straight up. You've passed or you failed. But another way in which the pass or fail binary is not really useful is when you think of students, for example, when they do a test because of that binary pass or fail, which is useful because it helps us make sense of things, which is why binaries are there in the first place. It helps us to cate, how do you say that word? Categorize. That's the one. Helps us to categorize things. So it makes, it, it makes the world we exist in simple and easy to understand, right? 
if a student does a test and they've passed or failed, especially depending on how young they are, it's very easy for them to internalize that failure as if they are wrong, as if they are bad. And then maybe a belief can start to be formed by that, right? And I, I spoke about this in my episode, How to Release Limiting Beliefs, which I would highly recommend listening to if you haven't already or going back to even. Because when we don't allow for that nuance and gray area, again, even as a young person or an adult, let's take that example uh, of the test, right? So you've passed or you failed. You can internalize that situation, that fail as if you are bad at math. So for the rest of your life, you always just tell yourself, oh, I'm so bad at maths. I'm so, I'm so bad at maths, right? When actually maybe it's just because you failed that particular test, but if you do more or if you try a different thing, you'll be able to get a different result. So I thought that one, um, that binary was very interesting because it still very much is, but there are instances where it can be useful and instances where it's not, which is something that we're going to talk about today as well. So the definition of binary thinking, because I thought it would be important to give you this one as well. Binary thinking, which is also known as dichotomous thinking, is when the gray area in the middle is ignored or goes unnoticed. In this state, a person only considers two possibilities and in even the most complex ideas, concepts, and problems, they oversimplify them into being one side or another. So binary thinking is a very very specific thing that we all experience, very specific thing, right? And although we live in a nuanced world, our brains are binary machines. And this is this is another thing that you do have to remember because while that is normal and it's useful for human survival as well, it can become a concern when it, it you notice that it ooh, it's becoming a pattern, right? Because again, Binary thinking can be useful when you need to make certain decisions, when it's, you know, something is time sensitive or you're in danger or you need to, you need to just act fast, right? It's a need. It's not a want. It's a need. You need to act fast. It can be useful. It can be useful. But when it starts to become a pattern and a default in every single situation, that's when it becomes a concern. Another thing to note as well is that understanding the workings of our binary brain, which we all have, allows us to make better decisions. It strengthens our discernment muscle. Discernment meaning the ability to judge well. It really strengthens that muscle. And it can also help you to help others in not being so black and white in their thinking. Because once you notice something within yourself and you get familiar with it within yourself, it, it then becomes easier to spot the same thing in other people. And this doesn't mean you make other people your project or you start to overanalyze people's behavior and sort of point things out. No, but it just means, for example, if you have people that are close to you, that you realize, oh my goodness, my friend seems to always have themselves in this cycle or of just thinking things are so black and white or really having this strong us versus them mentality. Once you have language and tools for yourself, it can be easier to then have conversations with those people in your life. It can be easier to hand over some tools that you've had that have worked for you, right? So this is all about you 
in a way, but it's also very much about going beyond the self, which is, you know, the name of the fucking podcast, um, very much about going beyond the self and seeing how you might be able to support the people in your life with the tools that you acquire, because this is not about hoarding information and tools. This is about also considering how can I share this with other people? Um, and the last thing that I wanted to note is that some people use binary thinking as a coping strategy or to protect themselves from perceived future harm, especially people that have maybe through a tra been through a traumatic experience in childhood. I know that because of some of the things that I experienced when I was much, much younger, it sort of trained my binary thinking because I, I was in an environment that was quite uncertain and there was a lot of movement in my life. Um, not just me, but also my siblings and my mum and all of us. So I can see how binary thinking can become a coping strategy for a lot of people. And again, if you find yourself really at the extremes with this, that is becoming something that is really debilitating, just seek professional help, all right? Seek someone that can support you with your mental health because this is a mental health issue, all right? So why binary thinking is not a useful default? I have some things to share with you around this. And then the next thing that I'm going to talk about is I'm going to give you some examples of when I myself have been caught up in binary thinking, because I never want you to think that I'm speaking from the podium and I've, I've sort of never experienced any of these things. And I'm just, you know, telling you what you need to change or what you need to do, which is not even the point of any of this. But I think it's important to also just share my own experiences with these things. Next thing I'm going to do after that is I'll talk to you about when binary thinking can be useful. And then we will finish off by talking about the things that you can do to move out of binary thinking being the default and to start honoring the gray area. So again, I want to make this very practical, very tangible. I want you to walk away with some things, not just one thing, but some things that you can actually start to do to train yourself out of that behavior of it being the default. Train yourself out of reacting. Train yourself out of keeping yourself in cycles of anxiety, okay? So why binary thinking is not the default? The first reason is that it clouds your perspective and doesn't help you see just how complex and nuanced and full of shades of gray the world is. So a nuance is a small difference in sound or in feeling or in appearance or meaning. It just means that it's not an absolute. There is no absolute. There are many different ways it could look. There are many different ways that it could go. So binary thinking really does cloud your perspective. When, when you start to sort of um, do what I call zooming out and you realize just how huge the world is, not just in terms of actual physical scale, but just think of how many people exist, billions of people. That's billions of realities. If you want to go even deeper, each person holds multiple, multiple realities and worldviews and it, it, internal experiences that shift and change. The person's values change, their belief systems change. You know, it takes one incident for them to really reevaluate the things that have happened in their life since birth. So when you zoom out of your own experience and you really just accept how complex the world is, different cultures, different religions, different, you know, social contracts, different relationship styles, 
um, just different senses of humor, different characters, different personalities. It's fucking complex. It is fucking complex. So even though binary thinking can be a useful thing in certain instances, it is not useful as the default because it clouds your perspective. It really clouds your perspective and it shrinks you into staying in a very, very, very limited viewpoint. And the second thing is that it means that you see the world in extremes, which does not allow you to find the middle ground. So if you find yourself always thinking in extremes, not in, not in extremes or ice creams, extremes, okay, it doesn't allow you to find the middle ground. So sometimes you might find that, um, and I know this was one of the sort of uh, alarm bells for me when I realized that when I would encounter people that do acknowledge that there is a middle ground, people that do acknowledge that actually it's not that simple, people that did value and do value the gray area, it would actually make me very uncomfortable. I would feel very challenged internally because that is not that was not how I viewed the world. So then I would project my own subjective experience and my own subjective worldview onto that person. And I just didn't know how to, how to sort of handle that. So when I started to realize, oh my goodness, I, I'm getting very uncomfortable. And I've mentioned this before, especially with things that were sort of ideological, certain positions that I took, certain political opinions that I had, and, you know, certain absolutes that I had about people that I didn't even fucking know. I was always one question away from everything just being ripped to shreds, from, from everything crumbling, from me just having my, my sense of self so distorted. Why? Because I was so caught up in black and white thinking. I was so caught up in good or bad. You are either with me or you're against me. So if you're, you're, if my belief system, you know, if I can see it in yours, then you're with me. If I can't see it in yours, then you're against me. Instead of just accepting that actually I'm just, this person is just different to me. This person is from a different cultural background. This person is from a different political background. This person just Ultimately, they are a different person to me, right? I, I was really struggling. I came to a point of really struggling with that. And to me, I knew I didn't have um, such specific language in the way that I do now, but I knew that there was something that needed to change because I was so rigid in my worldview and in how I viewed other people and just the world in general. And I remember journaling about this. I actually posted about it the other day asking myself the question, when did, I, when did I become so rigid in how I view myself and in how I view other people and in how I view the world that I walk in every single day, right? So because I was viewing the world in such extremes, it didn't allow me to find the middle ground. And another thing that I wrote down as to why binary thinking is not a useful default is that it can sabotage your relationships and or your career. Oh my goodness, this will do a fucking number on your relationships. If you're ever wondering, and again, I, I have an episode that talks about these things, I believe it's the toxic behavior episode, um, where I talk about if you find yourself cutting people off so easily, someone does something, even the smallest thing, you cut them off. There's a disagreement, you cut the person off. 
instead of addressing what's actually happening, instead of thinking, okay, my friend canceled, but maybe it was because they're not in the, they're not in the right mental space. And again, I'm not talking about extremes. I'm not talking about you really knowing that this relationship needs to end. I'm not talking about an abusive relationship because I know it can be so easy for the mind to then go to those extremes. And that is binary thinking in action, by the way, <laughs> right? I'm talking about the things that happen in, in the gray area, the things that happened in, in the middle, the things that can be compromised on, the things that could be spoken about, right? But if you find yourself like I was constantly in a cycle of cutting people off, any sign of conflict, any sign of disagreement, you tell yourself, okay, they're a, sh they're a shitty person, that's it, it's over. You're already starting to work out how you're going to end this relationship because there's been a little bit of conflict or the person has turned a mirror on you or the person has raised something that they're a little bit uncomfortable with that you do, right? So your defenses come up straight away, fight or flight, and you choose flight. <laughs> And you choose flight every single time. So binary thinking presents itself in terms of behavior in so many ways, but it can really sabotage your relationships. Another example, personal example for me would be not being able to stay in jobs for even longer than a month when things would start to get a bit uncomfortable, when I would start to feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not really good at this thing. And then maybe imposter syndrome would kick in instead of actually negotiating with myself, right? Instead of actually exploring what's really happening, why do I really feel uncomfortable? Why am I starting to pull the plug when I feel a little bit of discomfort? No, I would just quit. I would just quit. I would just leave. That means I'm in danger. That means something is wrong. I should just leave. And I was not in actual danger. Nothing was actually wrong. I was creating so many stories in my own head so that I could stay safe. Instead of walking through that discomfort and actually changing my behavior and actually doing something that was going to be more helpful, right? So I say all of that to say that it can be so easy, scarily easy, actually, <laughs> to justify binary thought, right? Because it does influence your behavior. It does speak to the cycles that you end up finding yourself in over and over and over and over and over again. And binary thinking is also not a useful default because it allows your inner perfectionist to run riot. Oh my goodness. And you know, this is where things like I am a failure or I'm a success. So you try something for the first time, doesn't really work out in the thought that you, in the way that you thought that it would instantly you tell yourself that you are a failure. Instead of assessing whether, oh, could I do this differently next time? Or what actually went wrong here? Why didn't I get the result that I wanted to get? Instead of asking yourself clarifying questions, you just throw in an absolute, I'm a failure, I'm never going to do this again, I'm never going to put myself in a position where I get to feel like this again. So binary thought takes over and you make a decision that doesn't actually allow you to expand. So you decide that actually a growth mindset is not important for me to adopt right now. Let me just adopt this absolutist mindset and shut down the show. So perfectionism is also, also a way in which binary thought shows up. I have a full episode on perfectionism, which you can go to as well. But just from me saying this now, you'll be able to spot it. And I'm going to give you some 
um, examples of clarifying questions that you can also ask yourself. Binary thinking as a default is also not useful because if it becomes persistent, it can impact your mental health and also be a sign of something more serious. So uh, as I was doing this research, I saw this over and over again. I saw different medical articles and different journals and also, again, anecdotal articles that really pointed to the fact that binary thinking, black and white thinking, dichotomous thinking, polarized thinking, whatever you want to call it, is commonly associated with conditions such as borderline personality disorder, narcissism, anxiety, depression, obsessive compulsive disorder. And I thought it was important to mention this because right in the beginning, I did say that if you're finding that you're really caught up in these extremes and it's really starting to impact your everyday life, it's starting to impact your decision-making process, it's starting to seriously impact your relationships and your career and how you, how you connect with the world and how you relate to yourself and other people, then it's really important to speak to someone about it. I don't want you to take this opportunity to self-diagnose or to make yourself wrong or to start hyper-focusing on something that actually might not be something. And at the same time, I think it's important to really illustrate the seriousness of this. And just a little side on this one. The reason that I speak loudly about things like this is because I, I'm finding there's something quite dangerous about the culture that we're in, especially when you think of some of the things that are happening on social media, where you're sort of forced to pick a side. You're kind of forced to think in absolutes. If you don't post this, then you're racist. If you don't say this, then you're misogynist. If you do this, then you're fucking white, white supremacist. If you question this, then you're transphobic. If you're this, then you must be that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it never fucking ends, never fucking ends. If you haven't made this medical decision, then this means that about you. If you have made this medical decision, then it means you're a sheep. If you have, there's just so much noise and so much bullshit. And I actually genuinely believe, and at this point, it's not even a belief. It's something that I'm seeing evidence of, and many people are that it's leading us into a mental health crisis. It's making us think that binary thinking is actually the default. When, when the gray area is where most of us in our day-to-day, -day, it's where we actually live. It's where we actually exist. Yes, we do have binary brains. Our brains are, like I said, binary machines, but there is so much complexity and nuance in our every day experiences and a lot of the things that are starting to happen you know at a time you could have thought that maybe it's isolated to the internet but it's it's not actually it's really starting to seep in our everyday lives which is why conversations like these are important which is why it's really crucial that we figure out what tools can we actually work with work with how can we start to be better communicators how can we start to be better observers of our own minds which is why i'm very fucking serious about mindset it's, it's a big part of the work that I do um, because I do believe that we are being forced to really just think binary thinking has to be the default in every situation. And mainstream media doesn't help this. Social media doesn't help this. So we start to really internalize this and don't allow ourselves room to be in the gray. In fact, you have some people that think being in the gray is a bad thing, you know, that it makes you a fence sitter or that it makes you someone that doesn't stand in something. 
which is why I always emphasize that it's possible, really fucking possible to honor the gray area and to still stand for something, to have those times where you say, no, this is right and this is wrong. This is good and this is bad because we can't always just fucking uh, linger in the middle on every single thing. There are some things that are objectively wrong and objectively right. And for the most part, we can all agree, right? And a lot of things, a lot of things are right there in the middle where you need more information. I need a bit more context or I don't have something to say about this because I, I simply don't know enough, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or where you need follow-up questions, right? Those clarifying questions. So I say all of that to say, we need to really, really understand that conversations like the one that I'm having with you now, they're not just a nice to have. They're not just, oh, that's nice to talk about. No, it's actually impacting our mental health in a very, very serious way. And again, for all my loves who are seeing that it's becoming something that is quite serious and maybe just one fucking podcast episode like this one is not gonna, it's not gonna cut it. Speak to someone, speak to someone that can support you with this. And when I say someone, I mean a mental health professional. Speak to someone. And Interestingly enough, binary thinking is also linked with things like racism and homophobia, etc. And I thought this was one that I had to fucking put down because you have people that make assumptions, these sweeping generalizations, which is what binary thinking is, generalizations. And generalizations can be important in terms of us just kind of making sense of the world that we live in and, you know, not overanalyzing something that could be quite simple. It just allows us to kind of honor the simplicity that the brain needs. But it can also go to the extremes and race, things like racism, right, and homophobia and everything else in between are examples of that, right? So binary thinking is what fuels things like, it's not the only thing, but it's what also fuels things like racism and homophobia, where people have these very rigid and horrific ideas about a particular race, whether that is about black people, that is about white people, it's about Asians, etc., etc. right? So I really need us all to start paying attention because we are in a time right now where if you are a certain race, people will tell you, well, you can't be racist to white people etc etc and people will really use that i really i really caution us all all to sit with messages like that before taking it in and saying oh okay this this is true then really start to think about what something like that says really start to think about it considering that there are billions of billions 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 of people who fall under that racial category and think, think about it in the same way that you would any other race. So to make a generalization like that, which is not a useful generalization because it really does lack a lot of context, a lot of nuance. It, it doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take geographical locations into account. It's a very, I, I've said this before and I will say it again. It's a very North American way of looking at the world, which doesn't actually translate or make sense in many, many other parts of the world. But I really want us to be mindful in understanding that binary thinking can show up in so many ways. And sometimes we can use binary thinking, 
you know, when we're on the pursuit of so-called justice, we can use it when we're, you know, wanting to be agents of change, but we actually end up using it in a way that is really damaging, in a way that is really divisive, in a way that just fuels hatred. And we need to be very, very, very careful about that because stereotypes can go to an extreme and they do. And binary thinking is usually a key driver for that. So I wanted to give some examples. Let me just sip this tea first. I wanted to give some examples of when I have been caught up in binary thinking. The first part is in my romantic relationships. I've spoken about this in different places, different episodes, especially when I had my sexual wellness company, Cherry Revolution. I used to speak about this all the time because I used to sabotage all my romantic relationships, whether it was because I didn't think I was deserving of love or when they came too close, I would feel so suffocated and I needed to do something to just make them leave, right? So binary thinking really helped me with that. So whether my partner would do a tiny thing that would trigger me in some kind of way, I would just want to pull the plug, I would make them wrong. And I wouldn't consider any other any other options. And I would draw just extreme conclusions on people as well without actually addressing the issue, without honoring things like compromise or negotiation, depending on what the context was. I didn't take context into account. I didn't take context into account. It was an either or. You do one thing, then I just, you know, in my mind instantly, it's that we have to break up or we can't be friends anymore. Instantly, instantly, there was no room, no room for anything else, which is again why I would find myself um, cutting people off so easily, leaving my relationships so easily, or being passive aggressive in my relationships so that the partner would end up leaving me. But it was really that either or mentality, a very entitled and also very self-absorbed mentality, I might add, it was that that kept me in a cycle of sabotage. And another area where I was very much caught up in my binary thinking was when I started getting caught up in politics. And this exploded um, in 2020, which I've spoken about many times. But I, I hadn't realized, I hadn't realized just how much the black and white thinking had taken over me until that year. And to a point where the moment that I would hear that someone is on the right or they've had a conversation with someone that is on the right politically, to me, they were just a bad person. They were just a bad person. And this wasn't a conscious decision that I made that I would feel this way. But all the information that I would take in, everything that was surrounding me, even the people that were surrounding me, the again, the things that I would listen to and um, it just made me believe that if someone is politically on the right, regardless of who they are, because again, th there's no room for context. There's no room for nuance. They were immediately a bad person. And I realized just how dangerous this was. Because if you make someone a bad person, that means if something was to happen to them, you will justify it because they are a so-called bad person. It then becomes easier to dehumanize that individual. Why? Because you have decided that they are bad. And why are they so-called bad if we're still using that example of someone being politically on the right? 
they're a bad person because they've picked one of two parties that millions of people are supposed to fit in? What if that person is simply voting because these are the policies that actually make sense for their family? What if this person is a working class person who, because of the changes that are happening in their industry, if they vote for the other party, they are going to lose certain things that are vital to their actual survival? I, I never considered any of these things. I never considered any of these things, even to simply consider that it has absolutely nothing to do with me. What is that person's character? How does that person treat their friends or their family? What's that person's background? What were they like as a child? How did they find themselves here? And what makes me better because I'm on the so-called left? How does that make me by default a good person? How? It fucking doesn't. It doesn't. That, that's actually the reality of it. I can say that I'm a good person because I'm on the left, but it, it, does it actually mean that I'm a good person? Not by default, it doesn't. So when I started to see all of those things, I just knew. <laughs> I just knew that something had to change. Something had to change. So those are just a few of my own personal examples. And I want to share now just a couple just a couple of light examples of when binary thinking can actually be useful. So let's say you're crossing the road. You need to make a very fucking quick decision. Is it safe to go? Yes or no. Is there a car? Is there a lorry coming? Maybe you're driving. Is there a lorry coming behind you? Is there another car? Yes or no. That's when binary thinking is useful. You don't want to say, oh, well, it, no. <laughs> No, there's no there's no time for that. You need to make a very quick decision and you need to have, it needs to be a simplified process. Yes or no. And in that instance, it is useful. Second example, let's say you're foraging for mushrooms, right? There's a team of you and there's a team leader that's showing you around, he's taking you to Epping Forest, he's taking you to um, wherever else. And you're coming across the mushrooms and you want to know, is this one good to eat? Yes or no? Is this one going to kill me? Yes or no? You don't need the team leader to start saying, well, it could, but it also might not. Or no. Is this going to fucking kill me? Yes or no? Again, an example where it can be useful. So I've just given you two, <laughs> two examples that can maybe make you start to think of where binary thinking could be useful in your everyday life because there are so many instances that you can think of. And I think it actually can be a very good practice for you to even just write out a list of when binary thinking can be useful. Last thing we are going to finish on, which I think is the part that most of us were maybe waiting for, is actual solutions actual solutions. I'm someone that likes to have solution focused conversations because we need them. Yes, it's good to have the information. It's good to have the theory, but then we need the fucking how. Okay. We, we need the how. We can't just sit on the why. We need the how. So I came up with a few things and a few things that I was seeing from different articles. And, and I sort of just thought about 
how I would approach it, some of the things that I've worked with, with my clients and just made it very simple. I've made it very practical for you as well, uh, both on an internal basis, but also on an external basis as well. So here's some things that can help you move out of binary thinking being the default so that you can actually start to honor the gray area. Number one, retrain yourself by taking on the role of the observer. Many of you won't be new to hearing about the concept of taking on the role of the observer. I first heard it and really started to embody it after reading The Untethered Soul by Michael A. Singer, who's one of my absolute favorite people. And the way that he really illustrated that relationship between you and your mind and your thoughts, you not actually being your thoughts, you taking on that role of the observer. Oh, it was so, so beautiful and so simple and so well articulated that it changed everything. It really helped me stick to my sobriety when I first read that book. So the first thing that I'm going to put forward to you is to retrain yourself by taking on the role of the observer. When you catch yourself jumping to those extremes, notice what is happening internally. Observe and ask yourself, is there another viewpoint I haven't considered? Do you know how powerful of a question that is? Is there another viewpoint I haven't considered? And of course, I want you to take into account that some things will be very time sensitive, as in something will be happening right there in front of you. And it will feel so tempting, so tempting to just go into your black and white default thinking, make that person wrong, make make that situation wrong, make yourself the victim, judge incorrectly, discernment out of the fucking window. You just act according to your first instinct, your first thought. This is why I say train yourself because it's going to be a training process it's not a one and done none of this is a one and done so if you're looking for that kind of podcast if you're looking for that kind of work if you're looking for that kind of strategic approach that makes it seem as if you're three steps away no this is not it this is not it this is not a one and done and I think that's actually quite exciting because you get to do something once. If you find yourself in a default, then you get to try again. You get to try again over and over and over again because failure or perceived failure is only feedback. It is only feedback. So really train yourself to ask that question. Is there another viewpoint that I haven't considered? I know that this is coming up for me immediately, but I must have, I have another option. I'm sure of it. There's another option. Okay. Number two, and I love this one. Be more precise with your language. When you constantly use words like, oh, th- like disaster. Oh, this is a disaster. And impossible. And ruined. Perfect. Always. Never. Oh, I always get things wrong. I never get things right. Oh, this is ruined. Oh, it's impossible. Is that actually true? That language is so absolutist. It shuts down all options. Language is so powerful. Oh my goodness, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with it. It's something that I really want to start studying more and more because the way we speak to ourselves, it really, really changes how we approach almost everything. It it influences our behavior. You tell yourself enough times, I never get things right. Well, you better fucking make sure your brain is going to help you. It's going to support you in making sure that that actually becomes a reality. 
I never end up in the right relationships. You hear people say things like that all the time. Instead of being more inquisitive and saying, actually, how do I end up finding myself in these relationships? That's much more expansive instead of, oh, I never. So watch your language and be more precise with it. So instead, why don't you try leaning into different words? Things like sometimes or maybe or phrases like, oh, I'm noticing that. I'm willing to or I prefer something else. Use more expansive language, language that allows you to have options, language that allows you to be in the gray. And this doesn't mean that um, you don't know yourself. It doesn't mean that you're not confident enough. It doesn't mean that you're always unsure. Because again, that's very absolutist language. Oh, I'm always unsure. I'm always unsure. I'm not confident. Is that actually true? All the time, 24, 7, 365, every single second, every single minute. Is that actually true? Or are you making it the absolute truth? That's a fucking good question you can ask yourself. Is that actually true? Or am I making it the absolute truth? So your language is really, really important. Next thing on the list. List out solutions. And I actually did this today um, in relation to something that came up with my lover where we were speaking about something or he shared something with me rather and my default came up in a way that I found to be very interesting and because I am someone that likes discomfort um, and I think it's very important, I think it's one of my greatest teachers actually, I just sat here with my tea and I wrote down a list of pros based on the situation and I was going to write a list of cons, but then I decided, actually, I don't even want to entertain the idea of there being cons around the situation. I only want to focus on what the pros are because ultimately the pros mean that I have more options, that I don't have to listen to that default, right? That default of previous relationships. I get to honor all the different options that I have within me and why this thing is actually very, very useful. And I did that today, but I also do this with something that I call my proof list, which I've spoken about so many times. But I have a proof list where if I feel, especially in relation to my capabilities, to my work, to everything that I put out in the world, if I feel um, even a tinge of imposter syndrome, I add to my proof list of all the things that I've actually done, all the tangible things, all the things that I'm so fucking proud of, all the things that I've overcome, because they allow me to see that I have done this before. I have felt this before. I have taken myself this far. So this feeling right now is not the absolute truth. Why? Because these are the things that I have actually done and experienced and seen and lived so my proof list is also that list of solutions. I would highly recommend, doesn't have to be, it doesn't even have to be anything super deep or super extensive, but list out your solutions, especially if it's something that is not time sensitive. Really sit on that thing before you react, before you allow yourself to pull the plug on something that is actually meaningful, something that is special, before you tell yourself that you can't handle having this difficult conversation, write out a list of solutions. Is there a different way you could approach this? Can you use different language? Can you be a little bit softer in your approach or do you need to be a bit harder in your approach? Write 
down your solutions. Because binary thinking by default is a fucking liar. It will tell you that you have no, no, other, no other solutions. It's either or, it's yes or no. It's pull the plug or go all in. No, maybe there's middle ground. Maybe there's room for negotiation. Compromise. List out those solutions. Next thing, learn how to ask yourself clarifying questions. This is huge, 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 huge. Examples of clarifying questions are, is it true? Let's say you, you say shit like, Oh, I never get things right. Oh, I always get it so wrong. I never get into the right relationships. Oh, this is impossible. Everything is ruined. I can't get it perfect. Ask yourself, is it true? And if it's a yes, then go ahead and say, okay, has this circumstance actually happened before? And be honest. Is it true? Have you tried anything else? How could it be better? Ask yourself clarifying questions. Am I relying on logic or purely emotion? That's another clarifying question. Have I got myself through a similar situation before? If yes, how did I do it? That's a clarifying question. And a wonderful book that I'm sure I have recommended before because it's one of my absolute favorites. In terms of questions, they're a little bit different to this, but they're just so expansive and, ah, uh, run to the book, The Right Questions by Debbie Ford. It's not a huge book, quite a small book, but my goodness, is it fucking powerful. The Right Questions by Debbie Ford, and it speaks directly to all of the things that we're speaking about today in terms of binary thought, the beliefs that we hold based on and an external, a, a moment that happens or an experience that we've had. The Right Questions by Debbie Ford. Next thing, seek different perspectives. Why? Because binary thinking can have you consumed in all things you. Remember what I said about me realizing that for me, I had to accept that there was an element of self-absorption an element of entitlement, an element of me, 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 me that was associated with my binary thinking, right? So when you start to see different perspectives, whether it's on a personal level or also when I say personal level, I mean start asking your partner, what do they think? Instead of always telling them, well, this is what I think, or it's a, what did they actually think? How do they feel about this? You might be upset about this and yes, bring it forward, bring it to the table. Right, But what do they think? How do they feel? What actually happened? What was going through their mind? Seek different perspectives. Because you might be externally experiencing the same moment in time, but having just very different internal experiences and different things that led you to that moment. Seek different perspectives. And on a broad level, this can look like the information you consume, where you actually get your news from. Go towards people that challenge your thinking in a way that actually helps you, but maybe also in a way that makes you fucking uncomfortable so you can start to accept that people have do have different perspectives, whether you like it or not. Perspectives you like and perspectives you don't, they exist regardless. Why not get used to it? This really helps, really helps to weaken binary thought as a default in every single fucking situation, okay? 
Last thing I have for you before I leave you. This has gone by so quickly. Um, last thing that I have for you so that you can really start to honor the gray area, so you can really start to move out of binary thought as the default, practice mindfulness. Why? Because it can help you get better at observing your thoughts without engaging with them by default. This is why I'm going to recommend him again. And he has some incredible resources on mindfulness, actually. Michael A. Singer. Of all the people that I have encountered who speak about mindfulness and things like meditation, etc., I can get put off by, by things like that quite easily because I, I feel like some people approach it in a way that is far too abstract, in a way that makes it seem like, oh, it's so simple and you can just sort of... Uh, um, nothing wrong with that, by the way, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me. I like people that approach things in that beautifully abstract way, but also make it real, also make it tangible, also make it something that we can actually integrate into our everyday lives because outside of people consuming self-help and feeling motivated for a moment and maybe getting that new journal and starting to write things down, motivation wanes. People have lives, people have responsibilities, people have jobs, people have families, people have work. So much is happening in the world as well at the same time. So I like things, people that make things really simple and digestible and real. So I really like his approach, but the book, The Untethered Soul, for me, helped me, indirectly helped me practice mindfulness and really observing my own mind. So maybe that's something that I would recommend, actually. Um, whether you've listened to it already, read it to a, read it already or not, it's a good one to come back to. And also the audio of it is really, really powerful and just so beautiful. Um, so that's what on this occasion I'm going to recommend actually for mindfulness. But maybe you are someone that already practices meditation and things like that. So just find your own tools that can work. Something that I love as well about mindfulness that most people might not know is that it's actually evidence-based. It's actually evidence-based. There is empir empirical evidence. And I, I'm not often thinking that everything needs to be evidence-based to be valid. But I think with things like mindfulness... A lot of people just think, well, because they think there's there's no sort of data around it actually helping the brain, actually helping, you know, us on a behavioral level, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a lot of really cool and interesting stuff out there around mindfulness. So I would recommend that you explore that as well. But those are some ideas that I just wanted to put forward for you, some things that can make this conversation feel um, like you can take something away and use it and work with it and see how it looks for you in your own life. So I hope that was useful. I really enjoyed speaking about this because it's something that's weaved into all of my work. I think um, us as a collective rejecting binary thought as the default, I really, I really do believe that it's one of the ways forward. And I speak to hundreds of people, if not thousands, every single week. And the same things always come up over and over and over again, especially the pressure to pick a side, the pressure to be pro, the pressure to be anti, the pressure to be left or right, to be this and that, or to reject other people who don't neatly fall into any of those things. And it's just pushing us further and further and further away from ourselves and each other. And I will not stand for that, not on my fucking watch. Um, <laughs> so that's why I have these conversations with you. Okay. But I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do share it. 
I know, especially with this one, there'll be so many people that need to hear this. So many people that will feel so much relief just from knowing that they are not alone in this, that binary thinking is, is the way we are wired to be, but we can get to know our brains better. We can work with it. We can choose differently. We can realize that we are autonomous adults. Um, and I think it can allow us to just, just coexist, coexist in a way, um, in a way that's actually useful, coexist in a really beautiful and real way with each other. So I'm looking forward to hearing what resonated with you the most, what your experiences are with binary thinking. Feel free to send me an email, hello at africabrook.com. You can either put the podcast title in the subject as in what this specific podcast was called or you can just put beyond the self and then my eyes will catch it straight away and I'll I'll read it and if you have any suggestions for future episodes please do let me know what they are Um, and again if you're not following or subscribed already please do so I really really do appreciate it but I am looking forward to hearing what resonated with you in this conversation because this will be like many others a continuous one and when I come back to the topic of entitlement and I come back to the topic of values, uh, oh, the values episode, by the way, which is titled, do you know what you stand for? Oh my goodness. That one is directly linked with this one. It really, really is. Um, so by you listening to this episode, by the time I revisit all of these different topics, it will all just land a little bit differently because you have this newfound awareness and you will be able to observe your mind and experiences in a different way. So, um, yeah, so it's really cool and I'm excited. I'm excited, but I look forward to speaking with you very, very soon. See you next time.